Second Corinthians 5 says, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him, for their sake, died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So Gordon MacDonald, in his book, Renewing Your Spiritual Passion, he tells the story of a European traveler who makes his way to Africa, and he wants to go on one of those jungle safaris, and so he knows he needs some guides to join him. So he hires a couple of local African guides, natives, know the territory well, and pays for all their gear and stuff. So they've got the tents, they've got the backpacks, they've got the whole deal, and he's going on a multi-day journey into the jungle. And so he's super fired up about it, this European traveler. He gets a good rest the first night and goes to bed, gets up for day one of travel. And they hit it hard, and they go a long way, and they go fast, and he covers a lot of terrain. And he's so excited at the end of the day. And they all crash night number one. They all go to sleep. They set up their tents and the whole deal. So he's up morning two, ready for day two, ready for more mileage and more trek and all of that stuff. And he gets his stuff all packed up, takes his tent, gets his backpack, gets his gear, and he goes to find the local guides. And the local guides are all sitting at the base of this large tree. Their tents are still up. Their backpacks aren't packed. And the European travelers, he kind of in more of an exasperated slash frustrated tone, says to them, like, hey, how come you're you don't have all your gear. It's time to go. And the guides are seated at the tree, and they look up at him and said, Sir, we went so far, so fast on day one. Today, we rest. And, and we wait. We wait for our souls to catch up with our bodies. We're not going anywhere today. And can you imagine that European traveler looking at his face? When I heard that story, I thought the Lenten season is to our calendars what those African guides were to that Eastern European traveler. It is an invitation into the pace of our lives to pause, to slow down, to quiet down, to lean in. That's what the Lenten season is. That's what tonight begins. Tonight is Ash Wednesday. And so we'll get in a little bit later to the significance of the ashes and that a little bit later in the service. But Ash Wednesday 
begins a 40-plus day period of time that starting in 325 A.D., the Council of Nicaea set aside a six-week period of time, designated it Lent. The word comes from a, a word that means springtime. It points to renewal. It points to kind of the new beginnings and what God wants to bring forth. And the church leaders in 325 A.D. said, you know what? The resurrection is such a significant part of our faith, we can't rush into it. We need to prepare. We need to slow down. We need to quiet down. And we need to lean in. I wonder if they said that in 325. I wonder what they might say about 2020. So this is the 1695th year the church of Jesus has participated in a Lenten season that begins with tonight. So tonight, there are Christians in approximately 190 nations gathering to set apart these next 40 plus days for what we're entering into. And so I think at Eagle Church, we might be on, a, I don't know, maybe year 10 or 11 of, of doing this. So we're playing catch up, 1,680 years of catch up, you know. Some of you come from uh, more Catholic traditions or Episcopal and Lutheran traditions. So the Protestant church is playing catch up to some of those traditions and harvesting back the original purposes for what is a really important time for our faith. And I want you to think about the Lenten season as a period of time for you and me and us to evaluate what's going on in here, kind of the condition and direction of the heart, to reflect a little bit. And to do that, we need to, we've got to slow down, right? We've got to, so tonight, I'm inviting you into this Ash Wednesday service in the same posture those African guides did on day two. Let's just wait. Let's let our souls catch up with our bodies. I don't know what kind of day you had. I don't know what kind of week you've had. Most likely, it's been plenty full and plenty fast, but here you are. And so, let's enter into tonight with the invitation that I'd like to extend for the whole Lenten season to slow down, to quiet down, and to lean in, to lean in to the Father. That song we were just singing, His great, great love that invites us to come and to think, what does He have? What does He have to offer? Is there something very specific He wants to reveal to you during these six weeks? Is there some light of His presence He wants to bring into some darkness? Is there some healing grace? Is there some new strength or power? Is there some wisdom and guidance and truth? What is it that He's wanting to extend to you and to me and to us? And so the first movement tonight, the first movement of the Lenten season, is the movement of confession. Why a confession? Well, number one, the Scriptures are really clear that God is holy. From Genesis to Revelation, God is holy. Equally clear, our life experience says we are not, right? We don't need a whole, we don't need a whole lot of explanation on that, right? We're not, He is. And so the gap between all that God has called us to be and then the sin that we all struggle with, the common thread of every single one of us here tonight is we're all fully human and fully sinful. We struggle with sins of commission and sins of omission, sins of thought, sins of attitude, sins of action. 
And so the first movement in Lent is to move us into this posture and say, would you come before a God who is holy and be honest with your fallenness, honest with your brokenness, honest with your sin? This is the first movement of the night. And so I want you to take this next song, and the words of the song are just really simple in that posture of needing God. Lord, I need you. And I want you to think about the posture that we come into the season with of just so desperately needing God's grace and needing God's forgiveness and His love. We need to know that our sin, we know what to do with it, and this season says you leave it with Christ. And so it's, a, it's this posture of kind of the humility of neediness that we have as people. We are a dependent people. And so I want to invite you in, in this next song just to kind of use this song as grounding in your, kind of make your own little personal covenant, covenant with the Lenten season that you're going to make these six weeks to the best of your ability a time where you can quiet down and slow down and lean in. Can you just bow your heads and close your eyes with me? And just want you to take a deep breath. I want you to just kind of have that image of the love of the Father's arms extended to you. Just saying, hey, come. Slow down. quiet down and lean in. I think the image of slowing down is such a good image when it comes to talking about confession and what confession means because when we slow down, when we actually let the sediment of our life, our lives begin to settle, the Lord can bring things to mind things that we need to talk about, things that we have neglected, sin that we have not paid attention to. And so this next part, we're going to move into this time of examine and confession. And so I want to invite you to stand because the first part will be a corporate confession. And as that we are looking at this as a community, as who we are, as a group of people who follow Jesus, looking at what we did that maybe we shouldn't have done or things that we neglected to do. So this first part I'm going to read to you and I would just invite you to close your eyes and listen. And if the Lord brings things specifically to your mind, offer them back to him. Loving God, would you now bring to mind the ways that we as a church have failed you? where we have sinned against you or others by what we have done or left undone. Maybe we have turned preferences into priorities instead of seeking you alone, or placed our comfort ahead of pursuing and welcoming others into your church. Father, please bring our sin to mind.
for this next part, it'll be a call and response. So you'll see the words on the screen. The read I as the reader will say the first part, and then all of us will say the second part together. Oh, Father, we confess our sins before you now. We have not loved you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Gracious God, we confess that we are a distracted people. Instead of being captivated by you alone, we have been driven by our preferences, comfort, and convenience as if they were the most important things. Forgive us, O God. Show us your majesty and turn our hearts to you. Gracious God, we confess that we have given in to the tyranny of the urgent. We have found significance in busyness instead of finding significance in you. Forgive us, O oh God, and help us to slow down. Gracious God, we confess that we are numb to the sin in our hearts and in the world. We have become apathetic and ignored those far from you. Forgive us, O oh God, break our hearts over our sin and break our hearts for the lost. We plead your forgiveness on the merits of Jesus Christ. <coughs> Accept his worthiness for our unworthiness, his sinlessness for our transgressions, and his glory for our shame. We pray all of this in Jesus' name, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Revive our souls, help us to remember, reflect, and experience you anew God as our first love. For this next part, we're going to switch to a personal examine. We're going to look internally at our own lives. In this first part, we'll read over you, and I would encourage you to close your eyes, uh, listen to the words, maybe internalize, and let the Lord bring things to mind so that you can then release them back to Him. Loving God, would you now bring to mind a moment today where I fell short, where I sinned against you or someone else? Maybe it was something I did when no one was looking, something I said that was hurtful, or something I thought. Maybe I said something that was true, but the energy powering it was ugly. Father, please bring my sin to mind. Loving God, would you now bring to mind a pattern in my life that dishonors you and others? Maybe it's unforgiveness, prejudice, or jealousy of another. Maybe it's anger, gossip, lust, or pride. Father, please bring my sin to mind.
God, I have sinned against you. I have done evil in your sight. I am sorry and I repent. Have mercy on me according to your love. Wash away my wrongdoing and cleanse me from my sin. Renew a right spirit within me and restore the joy of your salvation through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Amen. So in just a moment, we're going to uh, move about into three different stations that we've set up here in the room. And I want to talk about the significance of the imposition of Ash's station that's tied to the name for tonight, Ash Wednesday. Uh, two purposes for the ashes in Genesis 3, it talks about from ashes we have come and to ashes we shall return. So the first significance of the ashes has to do with our, the reality of our mortality. So the ashes represent a reminder that our physical life will one day come to an end. And it's good to be reminded of that. It's healthy for our soul to be reminded that our bodies have an end date. That's part of the significance of the ashes, the reality of our mortality, and to pause and reflect on that. The second part of the ashes has to do with something you read specifically in the Old Testament. You could look at Job 42 and Daniel 9, that when the people of God were dealing with their sin like we were just the last several minutes, there was this call to repentance. And so the first part of ashes is the reality of our mortality. The second part of the ashes has to do with the, the call to repentance. And so the significance of repentance in the scriptures, it talks about they would repent in dust and ashes. That was the phrase that they would use. So they would symbolize on their physical body the intent of their heart. The word repent means to turn. And so when you receive the ashes on your forehead, it's symbolizing, yes, your physical life has an end date, and it's good to reflect on your mortality, but it's also indicating that there is an intent of your heart to turn from your sin and to turn towards Christ. That's what the word repent means, to turn. And so the significance of the ashes helps kind of a, an external physical symbol and that the people of God knew who were dealing with some repentance, they would have their bodies covered with a sense of ashes. So the church leaders captured this and came up with this idea of an imposition of ashes. And many of the church traditions will use the palm branches of last Palm Sunday. That's what many of the traditions would do. That's not what ours are. Ours are from Amazon somewhere, right? Amazon.com, which is the source of everything there. But so some church traditions take the palm branches that they used in their worship gatherings last Palm Sunday. They grind up those leaves and they burn them. And then it just helps remind them of the significance of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem, that it's an act of worship and all of that. So that's some of the traditions you may have come from as well. So that'll be the first station. I, I will be at that station. And if you want to come and participate, no pressure to do so. If you don't want to, that's fine but it'll be available for you to receive what is called the imposition of ashes, or I'll just take a little bit of the ash and I'll place the symbol of the cross on your forehead. And in doing so, I'm going to say the phrase, um, I, I think this, this idea of kind of on the horizontal is that those who die with Christ 
and then on the vertical, or on the vertical, those who die with Christ, rise with Christ. Those who die with Christ, rise with Christ. Just to remember that our union with Him is the gift we have to deal with our sin and the hope we have for what happens when our mortal bodies come to an end. It's all Christ. Okay, so that'll be the ashes station. We have communion tables set up on both sides, gluten-free options on both sides as well. And those of you who are regular Eagle folks, you know about how this works and the tables are set for you and you don't have to be a member here or even a regular attender, but the tables are set for followers of Jesus. So it's an act of worship to come, take off a piece of the bread, which Corinthians, 2 Corinthians reminds us it's a broken body, dips into the juice, represents his shed blood. And so by his broken body and his shed blood, we're made whole. And so you want to come to the table as an act of worship. And then there'll be healing prayer available. You see the prayer benches kind of over on the sides. Dan and Jesse, you're going to be over at this side. And then Dwight and Natalie, are you going to be over at this side? So elders and their spouse are going to be at each one. And you can come for prayer. Maybe you've come with a specific need, physical, emotional, spiritual healing. And they, we believe that Jesus still heals today. And uh, we're going to anoint you with oil, and they, they'll handle that with you. Or if you just like personal prayer over some matter, they'd be glad to pray with you on that as well. And we like to have communion and prayer for healing because it's tied to this idea that we believe Jesus has purchased our wholeness at the table, right? The elements of his broken body and shed blood have purchased a wholeness for our lives. And so that's why we do that in our, in our time here. So while this is going on, the team's going to just be leading through music, right? You guys got several songs you're going to be leading through. So it'll just be a time of worship. The next several minutes is just kind of free form for you to go. You don't have to go in any order. You can go in which any order of the stations you would like. If you just want personal space at your blue chairs, this is going to be your time. So I'm going to pray, kind of dismiss this to the stations, and then after a bit, call us all back together, and there'll be kind of a final benediction as we leave tonight. Okay? Let's pray together. Father, thanks for the invitation tonight the invitation to come, to slow down, to examine, to confess, and now to repent, to say, we agree that this is sin in our life, and we now purposefully want to choose and turn from it and turn to you. So we think about the table that's set for us. We think about the broken body and the shed blood, and your word says, do it in remembrance of you. We go to the table as an act of worship so grateful for what these six weeks accomplish. They'll culminate on Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. We go to the table and worship you in spirit and truth. We pray for the healing stations and anyone who's come needing prayer tonight, that you would meet with us there, that you would bring healing grace as you see fit. And then as we come for the imposition of ashes, would you just ground us afresh in our own mortality? and also a fresh resolve to repent and go a new way. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll send you out into your Lenten season with a combination of a, a benediction and what's called a kind of declaration of imposition here. So I don't know where this Lent season finds you personally, but tonight reminds us of all the pursuits that we're after in our life. We're really looking for Jesus. He's really who you're looking for. And so may this next six weeks be an ever-present reminder of that. I want to send you out with Jude. This is Jude's doxology. It says, to him who is able...
to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. And so may the Jesus who's Lord of the Lenten season, may he send you forth tonight holding your mortality with the security that in his immortality, when you take your last breath, he holds you there and he gets the last word. Rest secure in that. And then may he send you forth as a forgiven and redeemed people with clarity to the question, what do I do with my sin? Bring your sin to Jesus. He brings his healing grace to you. Go as a forgiven people, a redeemed people, a Lenten season people. Go in his name. Amen. <laughs>